headline is as a construction sector and as construction sector professionals we have a massive responsibility and a huge role to play we have to be smart about it we don't have all the answers so we have to work together and engage expertise from other sectors to accelerate this change and if we can do this we can quite realistically change the world everyone and welcome to FutureX, a podcast by Martin Hearn, Event Director, FutureBuild, and co-host Dr. Oliver Jones, Research Director at Rider Architecture. FutureX will bring together some of the brightest minds and some of the most disruptive thinkers and innovators to transform the construction industry and build a FutureX community of like-minded people that can begin to make a real change. We really hope you enjoy the series. Hello and welcome to the first ever FutureX podcast brought to you by FutureBuild in partnership with Rider Architecture. I'm Martin Hearn, Event Director at FutureBuild. And for the, those that you don't know, FutureBuild is an annual event for the built environment that was previously known as EcoBuild and has been running for 16 years. Some people within the industry like to say we're a trade show with brains. Others say we're the home of innovation, which means a lot to us as we pride ourselves in curating an event which hosts the most innovative companies within the built environment and creating a content program that truly inspires our audience. It takes place every March at London's Excel. And if you'd like to find out more about taking part, then you can visit futurebuild.co.uk. Now, I've led the FutureBuild team for many years and the sustainable built environment and achieving net zero is a huge passion of mine. And I'm a firm believer that we all have a part to play. So I'm really excited to be finally recording this podcast after many inspiring conversations with Dr. Oliver Jones. Oliver is a highly regarded innovation guru within the built environment industry and is the research director at the award-winning architectural practice, Ryder Architecture. Now, Ryder has been recently ranked one of the top architectural companies to work for and was awarded the prestigious Queen's Award for Enterprise and International Trade which celebrates the most exciting and innovative businesses that are leading the way with their commitment to excellent sustainable development practices. Now, we started our conversation whilst running our online events, the Game Changers Live series, and it soon became apparent we share the same values and thoughts around how we can overcome the many critical issues and challenges that our industry and our planet are facing. And we have many ideas about how we can bring the industry together to work in collaboration to address these challenges. So we've decided to put ourselves out there with a series of podcasts with the mission of bringing together the brightest minds, the disruptive thinkers, and the most exciting innovators to transform our industry in our new project titled FutureX. Oliver, great to have you on this podcast. Thanks, Martin. It's great to be finally doing this after so long. And thanks to everybody that's listening for the first time. As Martin says, I'm Ollie Jones, I'm the Research Director at Rider Architecture, and I'm super excited about our partnership with FutureBuild. As a business, all of our research is focused on optimizing performance of our buildings and the environments that we create. But importantly, everything that we do is focused on improving people's lives. That's our guiding value as a business. For me and all the people at Rider, that's about improving the health of people, communities, and importantly, our planet. So Martin, I guess we should tell our new listeners a bit more about FutureX. Yeah, what is FutureX? So for me, FutureX is about giving a voice to those people we just don't hear enough from. Not just the pioneers and the people leading the industry, but 
hearing from those disruptors and innovators, both from within our industry, but also taking inspiration from those doing amazing things outside of the built environment. So I'm really excited because I think we're going to be delving into your black book because um, I know you're extremely well connected and bringing some of those figures on you know, a series of, um, of podcasts um, to talk about um, their experience um, and their ways of doing things. Absolutely. And, and, and I couldn't agree more, Martin, about that vision for Future X. I mean, for me, Future X is all about a future that's yet to be determined. You know, that's what's exciting about it. And, and as you said, Martin, the purpose of Future X is, is to bring together some of the brightest minds and some of the most disruptive thinkers and innovators and enable us to transform our construction sector and build a, a Future X community of people that can begin to affect some real change and make real impact. We'll be interviewing these people and, and building that community across this series of podcasts. Um, and we're looking for like-minded people. So keep an eye on all of the links that will be circulating because we want that community to grow as fast as possible. Absolutely. And, and you know, and I, and I think that's what, you know, we, we share that common goal of that cross-sector collaboration. Um, Oliver, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about why we're doing this? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, why are we doing this? I mean, given the alarming pace of change that I think it's a really timely thing to be doing, um, almost as a final call to action, to be honest, to the industry. I mean, the latest UN scientific report confirms that our activities change in the climate in an unprecedented and also in irreversible ways. The UN chief has called it a code red for humanity. And we only have to look at the flash flooding across the world so far in 2021. I mean, poor Turkey has somehow managed to get its, like its worst ever flash flooding incidents alongside its worst ever wildfires within, within months of each other. So those relentless wildfires that have impacted people across the world in the past 12 months have been absolutely unprecedented. But even more alarming is the impact that it's having on our planet. And if you follow the work of the amazing James Lovelock, specifically his Gaia hypothesis, James is a, is a personal hero of mine, an amazing English scientist, environmentalist and futurist, who, by the way, is also 102 years old. And if you follow his work, you'll understand that the Earth in itself is a self-regulating system of systems. It's an organism in itself of living and non-living parts that form a complex interacting system. And it's this system that's on the brink of that irreversible change. And that system's our planet. It's the place that we live. You know, take, for example, the current wildfires in Siberia, some of the biggest on Earth at the moment. These have produced 800 megatons of carbon since the beginning of June, already doubling last year's record. And they're still ablaze. Unbelievably, in only two and a half months, those wildfires in Siberia have exceeded the annual carbon dioxide emissions of Germany, which is Europe's most polluting country. And the fires in the Saka Republic in Siberia, which have been burning for nearly 10 weeks now, have already exceeded the entire carbon emissions of the UK in 2019. So this is the impact of climate change, and, and, and this is the impact of our actions. Now, you might ask yourself, what does this have to do with construction? Rightly so. Well, global CO2 emissions increased to 9.9 .9 gigatons of CO2 in 2019. And we used 2019 because 2020 was a bit of a washout statistics-wise. Of this, the construction sector accounted for 38% of all energy-related CO2 emissions. 
11% of which result from manufacturing and building materials and products such as steel and cement and glass. Now, the UN Environment Programme recognises that building CO2 emissions need to halve by 2030 to be on track for net zero carbon building stock by 2050. So we have some serious accountability and responsibility resting on our shoulders as a sector and as practising professionals. But this also represents a massive opportunity for the construction sector to make a huge impact globally and improve the health of our planet. It's a bit of a long answer, Martin, and I'm sure you'll come to get used to some of those. Uh, and I could go on for days about it, but the headline is, as a construction sector and as construction sector professionals, we have a massive responsibility and a huge role to play. We have to be smart about it. We don't have all the answers. So we have to work together and engage expertise from other sectors to accelerate this change. And if we can do this, we can quite realistically change the world. And this is the point of the FutureX community. This is why you should be listening to this podcast. And if you like to hear about all of the most amazing ideas and innovations that are set to disrupt the construction sector and create a better future, that's another good reason to listen as well. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more, Oliver. And, and I think, you know, at Future Build, sustainability has always been at the heart of our event. You know, we started as EcoBuild and will continue to drive the industry forward to a more sustainable and net zero future. I think, you know, some of the shocking statistics that you've just gone through there and, you know, for me, we're seeing firsthand now these extreme weather patterns that show in the acceleration of change now and the impact um, that what we do um, as the human race is having an effect on uh, the planet that we live on. Um, and that change now is just rapidly accelerating. For me, though, we've been talking, you know, especially as the built environment, for the last 16, 20 years about the same things. Why is that? progress been so slow oh man martin i i agree uh, we've probably spent too long just talking about sustainability i mean we can't fault the amazing work of some of our early sustainability advocates and pioneers and the great work that you know people like yourself and and eco build and future build have, have done in the space but in the past whether we like it or not sustainability has often been seen by the construction industry as as more of a choice or, or more of a nice to have. Um, this has shifted dramatically, I think, recently. You know, it's now a moral and it, more importantly, a legal obligation uh, that will affect our choices and our business decisions. You know, it's going to shape the future of our industry. And, and if you're not on board with that, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, that sets us up nicely. What what can our listeners expect? To look forward to on this podcast series oh a lot a lot martin <laughs> uh, i mean over the last 18 months while the world was sort of in lockdown i made a list of, of all of the most amazing thinkers i was desperate to speak to uh, no one was going anywhere and we were all sat at home around the world so i started reaching out started conversations and sharing ideas with some of the brightest minds in the world it was it was Genuinely, a, a, a truly enlightening and eye-opening experience, really, getting to speak to all of these people because they had nowhere to go. They had to stay at home. And I spoke to neuroscientists, environmental psychologists, economists, microbiologists, marine biologists, chemists, physicists. These people have so much to contribute to the future of our sector. I want to bring these thinkers and these conversations to the FutureX community. 
And I'm positive that the original RIBA charter said something about the future of architecture being about collaborating and engaging with the wider arts and sciences. You know, we've lost this and we need it now more than ever. It's not just architecture, it's the entire design and construction sector. And we've been too siloed for too long, inward looking. And it's time to invite all of these amazing minds and innovations back into construction and to work with them to change things. The global challenges that we're facing, that we've talked about, are not specific to construction. So we'll be engaging with the brightest minds from other sectors and disciplines as well. Really exciting. I think for me as well, the pandemic has really posed a fantastic opportunity to drive that collaboration forward. We've all had to think about new ways of working, new ways of communicating. Um, and, you know, this Futuresque X podcast is really going to then look outside of the built environment to take some of that inspiration. Now, as you know, and you've said this yourself, the list of things that we could talk, talk about on this podcast is absolutely endless. But clearly, there's some really critical issues um, that should be covered in the Future X series. So I'm going to quick fire some topics at you. Um, and just to give our listeners a little taste of what's to come. That sounds great, Martin. Let's go. Okay, so let's start with something I know you've spoken a lot about recently, the pathway to net zero. And I'm going to give you a big, the big question here. You know, there's a lot of talk around operational, embodied. What do we actually mean by net zero? I think, you know, this has been hotly debated and probably debated too much. Uh, there's some great work that's out there at the moment um, from the UK Green Building Council um, that's really set the scene and we can understand the pathway to net zero is moving from stages A through to D. You know, A is all of those embodied carbon emissions that you talk about that happen during material manufacture and the transportation of those materials and all of the stuff that happens at the start. As you move through to B, that's about the building and occupation and it's about that building in operation and the energy that it, that's used in that process. And then as you go through to C and D, that becomes more about maintenance and repair and the carbon costs associated with that and recycling and reuse and disassembly um, all the way through to end of life to what happens with that asset at the end of life and, and is there a plan to reuse it and, and reuse the materials that were in it. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big spectrum, you know, it, it's not embodied or operational. It's, it, it, it's all of these things. We've made some great strides in operational carbon and reducing operational carbon on buildings. And as we continue to get more renewable energy um, and greening the grid, that's only going to get better. But the bit that we've really got to focus on at the moment is reducing that embodied energy and that embodied carbon in materials and in the processes that we're engaging with. And we're talking to some fantastic people, and we'll talk to them on this podcast that are that are making some sustainable material, new sustainable materials using glass waste and plastic waste. Uh, some great work going on with concrete production and steel production. And, and we'll speak to all those guys about the work that they've been doing. Yeah, I, look, there's so much to talk about when it comes to net zero. So many passionate people are, are you know around that as well. I also, in you know, in terms of this sort of you know pathway to net to net zero, also want to pull in there the topic about zero waste and circularity oh, as well. So glad I'm so glad you mentioned circularity and zero waste. Uh, you know, I think I I actually think. Net zero is popular right now in terms of uh, the thing that everyone's talking about on the run up to COP26. I think in reality, what it's more about is, is exactly as you've said, it's much more about zero waste. And this is, an, this is a space we've been doing a lot of thinking recently. You know, it's, 
that zero waste is about behaviors. It's about not wasting materials. It's about not wasting energy. It's it, it's an approach, you know, and it's an ethos to how we build. And for me, zero waste is is the thing that's really going to help accelerate us towards a net zero future. And as you've mentioned, the circular economy and circularity have a huge role to play in that. Absolutely, absolutely, and and it pretty leads us quite nicely onto our second topic that we we'll, that we'll be addressing, which is innovation. And, and that drive of innovate to transform the industry. I'm a firm believer that a that lot of the innovations that will play a critical role already exist within our supply chain. Now, you've got a fantastic job, head of research um, and development. You know, how, how do you find or go about finding new solutions, new materials? And um, what do you feel the barriers holding some of them back? That's a Great question, Martin. And I'm really looking forward to, to, to this session on innovation and how innovation is going to transform the construction sector. Uh, I think, you know, to a large extent, innovation is, you know, is transforming the construction sector. I think we, we're still operating in silos quite a lot and we could do with we could do with breaking those down. And, and again, that's for me, that's the point of the Future X community. Um, the the barriers to to embracing innovation. Uh, are often in our mindsets and our cultures. You know, in, in terms of the construction industry, it's full of problem solvers. You know, we do it on a daily basis, from engineers through to architects. It's 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 a problem solving profession, and it's just how we frame that and how we package it up as innovation to 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 get the same levels of funding that the pharmaceutical industry get or um, other areas of of the economy uh, attract. So for me, innovation is a, it's a really hot topic, and I actually think it's imperative that we look, to, we look to what's going on in other sectors and we learn from them and we, we introduce them again to construction because that siloed mentality runs deep. You know, it's not, it's not something that's happened in the last five, 10 years. It's generations deep. And, and it's really important to start breaking that down because the people who have the answers, nine times out of 10, and the ones that I've been speaking to all of these times, and not from the construction sector. They they are, as I've said, you know, they are biologists yeah. and, and physicists, and they're addressing problems that we face on a daily basis. I think the other thing, the other barrier that we've got to got to deal with here is making people more comfortable with innovation. You know, innovation exists on a spectrum, um, much like a lot of the projects that we're involved with. So people are quite comfortable at one end of innovation, where we're working on replacements for fire safe insulation. Um, and carbon negative block work with some great partners and some fantastic startups that we'll hear from. And people are comfortable with that because it's insulation, it's block work. But then at the other end, there's some equally, if not more amazing things going on in the world of biotech and mycelium and growing building components from, from, from mycelium, which is a pre-fungus, uh, as well as some fantastic work coming out of Australia around using algae to capture carbon in our buildings and turn it into bioplastics and high value chemicals. So this, this is a really multi-sectoral opportunity and, and it's a fantastic opportunity for the built environment to take a lead on. Absolutely. I, I think for me, you know, one of the barriers I've seen is about effective dissemination of research as well in, in this space. And I think UKRI Innovate do, do an amazing job, um, but you know, just being able to get these startups out there and actually, as Future Builders a brand, we do a lot to support startups. And I know for a fact that it's you know it's one of the most popular 
um, request from our audience, you know, for architects like yourself is to come and see new innovations firsthand. People like to feel, touch, experience, um, you know, these, these, these things. Now, going on to our sort of our third topic that we're, we're going to be addressing, and actually innovation is huge in this sector, it's going to be retrofit and it's going to be the role of retrofit uh, within net zero. We've got a whole um, section of the show called the Whole House Retrofit Zone. We've got amazing innovations from people like Energy Sprong and Qbot. Um, but tell us a little bit about the role that retrofit has to play. Uh, you know, I don't think, I think retrofit's got a huge role to play, Martin. I don't think we can, we can't reach net zero without really embracing and really pushing and fast forwarding the work in the retrofit space. We've got something like 90% of our existing building stock already in, in existence. There's not an awful lot of new building to add. I mean, we've got to build a lot more to accommodate the global population, um, judging by the statistics up to 2060. But we have an awful lot of that building stock. And part of this net zero, uh, pathway to net zero and this net zero movement is we've got to figure out how to reuse it better. We can't just keep knocking things down. We can't just keep essentially demolishing buildings and skipping all of the material waste that, that comes out of those buildings because we have to use it. You know, there's some really good structure there, particularly in housing. You know, houses work the hardest, mm. the hardest out of any building, building type. It's, it's very normal for houses to still be around 100 years later. And to my knowledge, there's no other building that actually works as hard as the house. So it has such a, such a deep impact on our daily lives as well. And for me, that retrofit of the traditional house is, is so critically important to making things much more energy efficient, to bringing down the cost of energy for people and addressing fuel poverty, but also for reducing carbon emissions. And I know that the guys at the Retrofit Academy are doing some, some great work in this space, and I'm really looking forward to speaking to them and, and others about what's happening in that retrofit space and how do we sort of turbocharge that retrofit work. Absolutely. You know, retrofit in the UK is 27 million homes, you know, on that, on that path to net zero carbon would create over 10,000 jobs by 2025. And, you know, you alluded to it there. If we, you know, invest in green homes, it's the most effective single action the Treasury could take up to cut our emissions, boost the UK economy and create those jobs. But for me, it's trying to understand what's holding this back. I think I think there's a really big skills and communications piece that, that needs to be wrapped mm. around retrofit. You know, the guys at the Retrofit Academy often like to say that we've spent 20 years de-skilling the retrofit space. And I, I, I totally agree with them on that. You know, it's if only we knew 20 years ago now that that, that retrofit space would be so critically important to reach in a net zero future. And there's a big job at hand in how do we train people, how do we upskill people in order to retrofit homes to, to a higher energy performance standard it, so that we can we can meet those net zero um, goals that you've mentioned. So it's skills and training for me, Martin, and it's communication. And just jumping back to your piece on economies there, you know, so far in the last 20 minutes of us talking together, we've, we've mentioned potentially three or four other entirely new emerging economies or economic models for the UK. 
you know, we've got the circular economy, we've got the gr the green economy or the, the eco economy, whatever you want to talk about, whatever you want to call it. We've got the clean tech economy. We've got the green tech economy. You know, there's we've got the biotech economy. So there's all of these new emergent economies and economic models that are, are a ripe opportunity for, 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 for us to, to really sort of accelerate this, not only economic growth, but the pathway to net zero. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going on to our next topic, and you've touched on uh, this throughout everything you've been talking about is advanced materials. You've, you've talked a lot about um, biomaterials, talked a lot about you know, the innovation coming out of, of the concrete industry as well with carbon negative concrete. Tell us a little bit about um, this topic, because I know this is one you're personally really passionate about. Oh, yeah, this is one that's really close to my heart as well, Martin. I mean, I suppose you could say I'm generally passionate about most of the research projects that we've got underway, if not all of them. But, you know, advanced materials for me is such an exciting space. You know, it's we we look to sort of MMC and the modern methods of construction as to how we're constructing and new processes and more efficiency and more productivity. But what are we making these things out of is is unbelievably exciting and and this has been the the root of many of my conversations over the last two years has been with these startup companies these tech companies you know in that biotech and clean tech space that that are developing such amazing new products you know i've alluded to it and we'll we'll we'll, we'll bring these guys onto the series and, and we'll have a chat with them but there's some fantastic work going on with recycled glass and using recycled glass to create fire safe insulation. We can all see the benefit of that given the building safety standard. You know, there's some brilliant work going on with net zero and carbon negative concrete block work um, that, 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 that's really trailblazing at the minute. And, and again, that's coming from a, a small startup. And then at the other end, as I've mentioned, we've got just this mind blowing work going on in the biotech space around mycelium and um, the use of algae and to, to capture carbon and start an entirely new economy around that biomass and, and the chemicals that we can harvest from that biomass that's growing from uh, from the algae and the, the, that takes in the carbon and captures the carbon. So we'll talk a lot more to the guys that have been developing that work um, on the series. And that's the really exciting bit for me is that there's so much opportunity and we just have to get comfortable with it as a, as a profession and as a, as a sector, we have to get com comfortable talking about it and we have to get comfortable bringing these people together into amazing events and spaces like mm -hmm. Future Build, but also into a great community like the Future X community. Yeah. And I think what people I need to understand is that these aren't innovations that you know, are in a development pipeline. These are available now and at scale as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's often funny when I talk to people about mycelium and mm. And you tell them that it's a prefungus and that it can be cast into any shape. Um, it's happening. You know, there's some great companies in the UK that are working on this and getting it to market. There's some it, some brilliant companies over on the west coast of the US mm -hmm. who are already using it to make products and and building components. And these these small startups using these incredibly sustainable materials are popping up all over the world. Yeah. Now, sticking with that theme of advanced materials, I know that, Ryder, you have a, a number of projects in the biotech space at the minute as well. So what will we be sharing with our listeners around that bio, biotech sector? Yeah, well, I think I think we've touched on that a little bit just now in that 
we're doing an awful lot of work around mycelium, um, which, which, as I've mentioned, is a pre-fungus that can be grown into any form. Uh, it's got amazing acoustic properties. It's got fantastic fire rating prop properties. Um, it, it, it's got good thermal properties. You know, it, it's a bit of a wonder material, to be honest. And because it's growing, it sequesters twice its own weight in carbon. Um, whereas if you look at a standard phenolic panel, that uses three times its weight to be produced. Um, so there's, there's, there's a clear advantage to using these, using biotech and, and, and understanding how, bio, how we can use biology and nature to, to build better and also realize these net zero futures. And then I've briefly touched upon it, but I won't do it anywhere near as much justice as Peter Ralph from the Climate Change Cluster in Sydney can do on one of our later sessions. Um, we've talked about how to use algae and how it's already been used um, to capture carbon from manufacturing processes, but also to capture carbon from within our buildings. Um, and they've put it to some great effect uh, in breweries in Australia. Another thing very close to my heart. <laughs> um, look, we, we, we can cover so much stuff. Um, we couldn't have a podcast series, I don't think, without covering the sort of cities on a city scale as well. So there's two things here, I think. There's, there's the nature-based solutions, um, you know, we need to have that look at that value of green infrastructure, um, of nature-based design solutions, of things like biophilic design as well. Green walls, roofs, micro community spaces. I know at Ryder, you do a huge amount of this on your on your developments. Tell us a little bit about what, what we'll be exploring when we're talking about nature-based solutions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think nature-based solutions are an absolute linchpin in uh, economic and social regeneration of our urban centres, particularly post-COVID. You know, we're in a situation where our retail spaces have been decimated. Um, people, There's not as many people in our urban centres, and we need to figure out how to drive people back into our urban centres and entice people back. You know, what, what do they want? We've all spent an amazing amount of time in high-quality green space over lockdown. You know, we've worked from home, we've gone for walks, we've spent time going around parks. We've, we've reconnected with nature and we under, we're beginning to understand its value again. And for me, nature-based design solutions are imperative to, to connecting the suburbs with urban centres, you know, improving green infrastructure, getting people back into those urban centres, but also for creating really high-quality spaces in our cities and in our towns that are high-quality green spaces where people can, can rest and relax or just go and visit. Um, and it becomes much more about that experience economy that should drive that regeneration of our urban centers, um, as opposed to just a sole focus on the retail economy. Yeah. And you know, you've said this as well, you know, our cities are getting more sustainable as well and smart as well. And you're seeing that now there's an electric re revolution. We've got active travel, uh, mobility issues, our streetscapes are changing, the high streets are, are developing. You know, we all sit and get huge amounts of Amazon deliveries. You know, the way that we, we shop, live, work, it's changing as well. What can we expect to see in our session around the sustainable smart city? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're clearly in the advent of the sustainable smart city and we have been for some time. You know, we've got big data, we've got digital twins, we've got the conversation that's going on in, in that space. I, I think we can probably use nature-based design solutions to highlight this, actually, in terms of its value. You know, something I didn't touch on in nature-based design solutions is our urban centres as heat islands, given climate change, 
the microclimate within our urban centers is is wildly out of balance you know those urban centers are increasing in temperature year on year and it's causing some significant problems you know france and paris see it quite a lot uh, it's happened this year in vancouver in british columbia and we're seeing some you know real cost to human life because we we haven't invested in green infrastructure in our urban centers as much as we could and there's some fantastic work coming out of um some of the scandinavian universities and industry looking at how we can use green infrastructure to moderate those microclimates how we can reduce the local temperature um using green infrastructure using green walls more tree planting in our urban centers and the only problem with all of this is we have to start doing it now if the temperature is going to change and it is changing rapidly year on year trees take quite a while to grow so we need to be really planning and replanning our urban centers with significantly more green infrastructure and getting those trees in the ground as quickly as possible so that we're safeguarding against some of those heat spikes now how does that link to sustainable smart cities well it links to sustainable smart cities because for me the data in those cities is all about evidencing and baselining current conditions and then evidencing improvements so it's about using smart sensor technology we do an awful lot of work with the national urban observatories in the uk um, the headquarters for the urban observatories is up here in in newcastle upon tyne at the urban sciences building and these are some fantastic facilities that are dotted around the uk they're full of incredibly intelligent people who are doing amazing things sensing our environments uh, the environment quality the air quality externally and internally understanding temperature spikes uh, safeguarding against flooding all of these things this is where that smart city angle comes in it's not about drones and about bling and big tech you know i'm sure that'll come for me it's about data and how we can better use that data that we already have the ability to collect to make our environments much safer to make them much more enjoyable places to exist in and to evidence that there's a real economic value uh, to investing in those environments in terms of being able to evidence its impact on public health Yeah you touched on public health there things like air quality huge yeah. issue of you know and, and you touched on that around data um and monitoring of that as well i think we're going to see a huge shift the importance of air quality um and i think you know, part of this whole future x podcast is about hearing new voices and i think the the youth of today or the, the sort of millennials now value things very differently you know their health and well-being is now massively on the agenda or high up the agenda compared to maybe you know the older generations have a different outlook on things yeah absolutely martin and for me it's you know i spent an awful lot of time uh, prior to 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 coming back into industry in in academia and university running programs of architectural mm-hmm. education and i'm really passionate about education and and working with young people cuz you know quite frankly that's where some of the best ideas are coming from yeah you know these guys are these guys are really shaking things up and they're not bothered about disrupting the status quo you know they just think well it doesn't work i'm going to try and fix it and here's some amazing solutions for us to consider and it's though it's that kind of conversation that we want to be hosting that we want to invite those people into this community and we want to make sure that 
they're really fired up to start engaging and collaborating on the next big innovations that are really going to shape the built environment and our cities. Yeah, that we could we could be talking for hours, and I'm sure over the cogs of this podcast series we will be. But um, Oliver, tell us a little bit about what's next. Well, uh, first off, if you're listening to this and, and you're interested in innovation and helping to shape the future of the sector, you know, our cities and, and ultimately the planet, I'm not sure why you wouldn't be. I'm sure you are. Uh, make sure you help us out by subscribing to the podcast, you know, following, liking, resharing, all of the above, so that we can cast the net as wide as possible and engage as many like-minded people as possible in this conversation. The more people we get on board, the better the conversation is going to be, the more ideas that we're going to bring to the table. Secondly, if you have a great idea or innovation that you want to share, that you're working on to realize a better, more sustainable future, then, then get in touch. We absolutely want to hear from you. Your individuals, startups, and established businesses alike, yeah, make sure you sign up to be part of our growing FutureX community. Uh, and we can, we can post details on our website to, of how and where to do that. As part of building this community, you know, we'll shortly be launching a, a quick survey to capture the state of play, you know, the biggest challenges that the industry faces in responding to some of the critical challenges that we've outlined today, and identifying some of those most innovative and disruptive trends. You know, so keep an eye on that coming soon. And finally, we want to celebrate how diverse this community of thinkers is. And we want to hear from you because we'll be launching awards for the most influential innovators around the world. You know, so, so there's lots to do, there's lots to discuss, as you've mentioned, Martin, and it's going to be a really, really exciting journey um, that I, I really can't wait to hear from all of our guests and all of our future ex-community collaborators about the futures that they're trying to realise. Absolutely. FutureX is going to be more than just a podcast. I truly believe this can be a movement. This can be something that will bring together those disruptive thinkers and innovators to drive real change. But tune in for our next podcast, which will be on the pathway to net zero. And you'll be able to download this one and the future ones at both futurebuild.co.uk and riderarchitecture.com. Thank you. Join our community to stay up to date with all things FutureX. Visit futurebuild.co.uk to sign up. Please also like them and share them to help grow our community. You can subscribe to the podcasts within your favourite podcast platform. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you'll be back again soon.